Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Havid Khan and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. This episode is called Purchasing Power Parity Pricing. Whew, what a mouthful. And first, a word from our sponsor. MicroAcquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace and it's simply the most efficient way to sell a startup when you're ready to make your next move. As a Bootstrap Founder, you invariably will run into a time when you may think about selling your business. Hopefully you will, I guess. And whenever it's new opportunities, knocking at the door or another passion project taking off or just having some life changes, that is a time for change. And in the case of Christopher Tung, founder of Reporty, a Shopify app that sends various order notifications to Slack, what led him to decide to sell his app was a life change in the form of a new baby boy. And when it came to selling his app, other platforms didn't have great visibility for micro SaaS businesses like his, and MicroAcquire was different from that and offered a diverse range of buyers with an appetite for startups like Reporty. And after listing on MicroAcquire, Chris fielded up to 40 buyer offers and ultimately found the right buyer for a five-figure exit at a 5x AR multiple. I can tell you, that feels good. And it's really, really nice. If you think about selling a startup just like Chris, don't fit the exact build to list on other marketplaces, MicroAcquire could be the best option for you. And the buyer community cultivated by MicroAcquire has the appetite for smaller apps and micro SaaS businesses, as well as bigger e-commerce and SaaS startups doing millions in revenue. If you follow them on Twitter, you will see them just regularly posting new sales, either high or low. Like MicroAcquire is fairly active there. And I really appreciate that being part of the community because they share, they essentially build in public, which is awesome. Um, they, they have helped hundreds of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume. So MicroAcquire is still just getting started. So check them out at MicroAcquire at MicroAcquire.com if you think about testing the market. Uh, it's a pretty good idea. So now let's get started. Let's talk about burgers and why they matter for how much you can sell as a digital creator. And, you know, I do mean burgers, the barbecue kind. The Big Mac in the United States costs around $5. You would have to pay 20 yuan for the same burger in China. But the exchange rate between the dollar and the yuan is not 1 to 4. It's not 5 to 20, right? It's more like 1 to 6.5. And that's a difference of 40% between the exchange rate and what you pay for a Big Mac. Now, the Big Mac is a franchise burger. Wherever you go, you can expect to get the exact same product. McDonald's has built a highly optimized logistic chain to make this possible, no matter where the burger is served. So why does the exchange rate suggest that the Chinese burger should cost 32 yuan, 6.5 times the price of a US version, instead of the 20 yuan that you will actually have to pay for it? And the financial experts at The Economist wondered about this all the way back in 1986. They came up with a clever, not-so-serious way to track burger prices and infer how much national currencies are undervalued or overvalued against each other, using this prestigious Big Mac as a baseline product. The result was the Big Mac Index, a continuously updated list of Big Mac prices in local currencies all over the world. And Burgernomics, the application of the Big Mac Index, suggests that the 40% difference between the real-world price and what the exchange rate suggests means that the Chinese yuan is actually 40% undervalued against the US dollar. And that is what the purchasing power parity pricing movement is trying to fix. You'll reach purchasing power parity when you correct the current exchange rate for the relative purchasing power related to a comparable product. And that's the Big Mac. Using the Big Mac index, 
you can adjust the price of your goods and services to be reasonably affordable for people from a country with a severely undervalued currency against the dollar. Now, historically, this didn't used to be a big concern for most businesses. Before the digital global economy, you'd build out your business in one country, right? You would start somewhere and then you would create a subsidiary in another and give them the tools to adapt that to their local markets. Prices would be handled at that level by those people and no central steering was required. It was a national business and then another national business was to take care of the other nation. But for the creator economy, where individual creators sell digital products globally, this is an actual problem. You're one person selling to an audience spanning the whole globe, and you set the prices. And if you put them in the wrong way, you can price out entire countries from ever being able to afford your products. And this is a problem that many, if not most, digital entrepreneurs are entirely blind to. They don't see it. I certainly was for the longest time. I priced my products in US dollars and was quite oblivious to the fact that those prices kept most of my global audience outside of my little bubble from purchasing my products. And it wasn't until my readers-to-be from India complained about the incredibly high price of my books on Amazon that I actually looked into this issue. And what I found was actually quite underwhelming. Most creators out there who had control over the prices of their products, they just didn't care. Or, like I said, didn't see it. Even for the few that did, no major platform out there supported an easy way to adjust prices for a global customer base with wildly varying currency values. Thankfully, there are a few do-it-yourself solutions out there, like Parity Bar. I even found a SaaS solution called Parity Deals. It's nice to see stuff happening here. These tools detect where a potential customer visits from and then offers them a coupon code for a particular percentage off the final price, thus correcting for the difference in currency value between where you provide your product as a creator and where they buy it from as a consumer. In other words, purchasing power parity pricing tools correct your prices so they are equally affordable to all of your customers, no matter where they're coming from. It's the ultimate price-centric empowerment tool, which is why I like it so much. And it's really not about burgers either, right? The, the Big Mac Index is one of them, but there's a few other indices out there looking at different goods, like the Mac Index. Not about Big Macs, but actual Apple products, the computers, tracking those prices. Or the Latte Index, that's tracking Starbucks prices all over the world. And honestly, neither of them is perfect. Some incorporate inflation rates, others don't. Some ignore the costs of sales at the local franchises, others do. It's really not about being accurate, but they're already better than nothing when it comes to equalizing the playing field. So with all this in mind, there really is no excuse for me not to integrate location-based pricing into my products, right? It's just If it's just about doing the necessary work, this should be a no-brainer. But it wasn't. When I considered adding this to my Twitter course that I released last week, I felt an immediate sense of doom, like a substantial threat of loss. I thought I might be making a big mistake. And for someone who publicly claims to have empowerment as a core value, this felt pretty contradictory to me. And it took me a while to figure out why I was this hesitant about making my product more affordable by adding dynamic pricing. And I want to share my concerns and how I reflected my way out of them with you today. The number one concern that I had was that I would lose money. I initially hesitated to use purchasing parity, parity pricing for my info products because I feared losing revenue. After all, adjusting prices is usually a downward trend, right? You make things cheaper so that people can afford them. On the surface, 
this means that you might be missing out on revenue. You're, but you're also expanding the pool of potential customers with extremely low marginal costs of distributing digital products. Doesn't really matter if one person's pay one person pays fifty dollars or if ten people buy the product for five dollars. The overall revenue will be the same, but your reach just increased by four hundred percent. It makes a big difference. And when I stopped looking at the dollars and started considering the marketing potential of adding purchasing power parity pricing, I realized how much of an empowerment move this can actually be. By opening up whole new markets, new economies, you just don't get more sales. You get access to entire networks of severely underserved professionals. And as I said earlier, most creators don't care about purchasing power parity pricing because they're not even aware of it. Those creators sell their products for prices that whole economies can't afford. And consequently, bootleg copies are being sold or even more blatantly pirated. The moment somebody actually pays attention to the price discrepancy, you can expect to find that once people buy your work, legitimately and without having to mortgage their houses too, they will start talking about it to their peers. The word-of-mouth potential of serving your customers in a way that empowers them is incredible. And purchasing power parity pricing is a way of doing it. And yet, I shied away from it, even from talking about it on Twitter. Even as I understood that I had no reason to not drop my prices dynamically, I still hesitated. And I even hesitated to tweet about it. I thought that if I shared that I was even thinking about implementing this, people would stop buying my course because they would rather wait for a lower price. And I didn't want that. What a selfish and limiting thought. Of course they would wait. That's the logical consequence of not having dynamic prices to begin with. Right now, my work is severely overpriced for so many people who might need it the most. If they can't afford it now, what does it matter if they wait? They wouldn't be able to buy it anyway. And when I finally got around to tweeting about it, I got incredibly positive responses. People from all over the world encouraged me to go forward with this, either because they had done this for their own products and had success with it, or they had bought products at a dynamic discount before and really appreciated that. And it was also helpful in me in, in the way that I was made aware that my focus on sales came from not knowing how much money I really wanted to make from my courses. Because when I talked about my reservations with Danielle, my partner in life and business, she pointed out that I had no idea what my enough number was for the course. How much revenue does it really need to drive for me to consider it making enough? Because then I would stop thinking about the money. And once I found that number, that somewhere around $2,000 a month, that is my dream goal for the course, I quickly understood that this is not just about maximizing per customer revenue. Reaching enough people to sustain this is equally important. And I know this sounds like I don't understand basic economics, but honestly, when you're concerned about things without knowing where your concern comes from, your thinking is severely biased and you, you think in, in loops, you, you don't get out of it. It took me a while to even recognize that I wasn't thinking straight. And Danielle really helped me with this. Um, but yeah, it eventually happened. I found clarity by talking to my peers and the most important person in my life. And if there's only one thing you take away from all of this today, talk to your loved ones. They can help you find your way out of a rut. But let's get back to the, the pricing part. My fear of losing revenue quickly subsided after I figured this out. And with new and hungry markets opening up for me, potentially, I stopped focusing on revenue and I looked into how I could realistically implement this for my own info product, for my course. And that's when another round of negativity kicked in. The more I looked into setting up this across platforms and I'm selling my course on four different platforms, the harder it became. 
all the solutions that I found used coupon codes to facilitate this dynamic price reduction. People in Slovenia get 20% off, coupon for that. Customers from Namibia only pay half for the product, coupon for that. That means that there are several coupons to maintain, and that needs to happen on each platform that supports coupons. And initially, that sounded like quite a lot of work. But the more I thought about it, it was like a fix-when-broken issue. And you set it up once, and you're good to go. For empowering a whole batch of countries simultaneously, keeping a few coupons in sync is more than worth it. And if a customer detects a problem with it, if it doesn't work anymore, they will reach out, and then I can fix it. But with these coupons existing, some maybe even granting a 70 or 80% price reduction, came another problem. And that was abuse. Maybe one of the biggest problems that people have when it comes to purchasing power parity pricing. Because having grown up in the era of Napster and LineWire and eDonkey, I remember all too well how easy it was to access things for free that weren't supposed to be. I know the mindset of someone who can't reasonably afford something. I was a teenager back then, with barely any money. And I know the lengths that someone will get to or go to to get what they want. And one of my fears surrounding purchasing power parity pricing was that people would try to game the system. I feared that people from the US would act like they're from Bangladesh to get the discount. And not only could people try and act if they're from other country, but they could also leak the discounts to a public forums and then other people could use it. And changing discount coupons regularly wasn't something I would want to do manually. And thinking about all the ways people could cheat this well-intentioned attempt at creating equality seriously made me reconsider adding purchasing power parity pricing. And in my mind, this potential for abuse was something that I didn't want to risk. But the more I thought about it, I came to a conclusion that every Stoic would be proud of if they would allow themselves to feel pride. Some people will abuse this, and there's nothing I can do about it. I cannot change their mentality problem with my prices. No price, high or low, will keep them from selfishly seeking my work for their benefit without giving something back. People will abuse this, and it's okay. There's a baseline defense level of, I can employ. Like I cannot show um, that I even offer purchasing power parity pricing to people who wouldn't get a discount in the first place. And a few tools out there have VPN detection, which is also nice. But overall, I trust that most of my audience, themselves aspiring founders and creators, understand what a value exchange is and why paying for products is a good thing. I won't be able to help the people who would cheat or steal anyhow. It's like when people yell at you on Twitter because they have a different opinion or they don't like what you say. Instead of focusing on the few negative voices, you have a choice to focus on all the people who choose not to yell at you. The good, the positive voices. And I do the same here. Instead of looking at the potential cheaters, I focus my attention on all the wonderful people that will use this as an opportunity to legally buy my product for a more sustainable and empowering price. And that leaves me with only one conclusion. That is also a, some sort of announcement. My course, Find Your Following, will be using purchasing power parity pricing from today on. Depending on where your customers or where my customers are located, they will receive an offer for a coupon code when they navigate to my course landing page. And yes, I know it's an imperfect solution. The codes currently only work on Gumroad and Podia because neither Udemy nor Skillshare support creating these kinds of coupons, but it's a start. And if you're a, a creator selling info products to a global audience, I invite you to try purchasing power parity pricing as well. And that's it for today. 
Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my books and my Twitter course there as well. If you have questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.